Hi friends! Are you guys planning on going to the G3 conference coming up on September 21st until the 23rd? Well, you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code G3OPEL. G3OPEL. You can register now by going on the link here in the description. I can't wait to see you guys there. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlene Spuckaloo. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to our podcast, Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. It is a joy and a pleasure to have you guys joining us uh, every other Tuesday at 9 a.m. Uh, it is a blessing to get to sit here with uh, many believers and brothers and sisters in Christ and just hearing the testimony of salvation of how the Lord brought them out of darkness into light. And today, it's I'm really thankful for this opportunity that I get to have. And I do want to say a special thanks to Linda, Linda the Margin uh, for making this happen, uh, for coordinating everything for this uh, interview today that I'm bringing, bringing to you guys. Uh, this couple, it's a sweet couple from our church. Uh, I'm really excited to get to know them. I've heard so many great things from so many people from church. They have been a blessing to Grace Community Church, and I, they have been a blessing to so many other brothers and sisters too in Christ at the church. So please help me welcome Emery and Sam. Thank you so much, Emery and Sam, for joining me. It's such a pleasure to have you join me on the podcast. Nice to meet you. I, I've been hearing, like I said, so many great things about you guys and just the blessing that you guys have been to so many people at our church. And you guys are one of the founders family of Grace Community Church. And we will get to that a little later. Uh, but I'm really excited just to, um, you know, to hear how the Lord has worked in both of your lives and your life and ministry mm -hmm. uh, trials in life and well i just hope that everyone is encouraged and if someone doesn't know the lord that they will come to know the lord through our testimony right because at the end of the day a testimony without christ is not a testimony so it's just amazing that right. every testimony points to him and right. that is our goal right so very grateful <laughs> so i'm gonna start with uh emory emory i want you to think back to your childhood I want you to think back with your family. What was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? Uh, were you raised in a believing home? And yeah, and let us know about like if you have siblings and yeah, how big is your family? I was born in Colorado, but my parents brought me to California when I was just a year old. And I grew up uh, some of the time with some of my mother's siblings. She was the oldest of 10. So there was a time when they brought six out from Colorado to live with us for a short time. Hmm. But I always, from that time on though, I always had someone living with us. Now my aunt who lived with us married a Mormon man and became Mormon. Hmm. So I visited the Mormon church as a young girl. But then I was a little girl in the neighborhood who everybody invited to go to church because my parents weren't attending church. And so they, so I remember very vividly going to the Bible school and I remember meeting Jesus. And Jesus became my friend. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was my friend all the way on till my parents moved up to Ukaipa and mm -hmm. I went to Redlands schools. And I didn't know anything more but about just but I knew Jesus. But when I met Sam, he took me to his church and I realized there I needed to be baptized mm -hmm. and to know, grow and know more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that began really 
my time of growth beginning in high school because I met Sam in high school. Wow. And then later, later, I continued to begin to teach school, Sunday school and things like that in that church mm. until we married. And that wasn't until the summer before he, he was a junior at UCLA. So when you say that you met Jesus, what do you mean by that? Like, what did you hear about him? Um, what were you being taught about Jesus? And well, in Bible school, they just teach you as children. Mm -hmm. just teach you about Jesus and accepting Jesus. But I don't have any recollection of what was taught me. I just knew that I had to embrace him because he felt a part of me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like whenever I was lonely or whenever there was just a time when I was distraught or something, he was very near to me. Mm -hmm. And I was very aware that I wanted to, that he was my friend. And yet I didn't know about salvation. I didn't know about all those other things until later. Mm. But I, when anybody would say something against him, I would always defend him. And yet I didn't know, really know the Bible. Mm. But he was very much a part of me as a, a, as a real strength to me growing up through the, those high school years. And then I, then I learned about salvation. Yeah. And you said that your parents then, they will go to a Mormon church? No, they my parents to, were non-Christian. They were non-Christian. My mother had gone to church as a young girl, mm. but my mother wasn't going to church at all at that time. Later, mm. after we were married, my mother made a com commitment to the Lord okay. and became Christ's life. And after my father passed away, she came down here and became a part of Grace Community Church. Wow. So I knew that she had already made a commitment. Uh -huh. And thankfully, I was told by a, a chaplain that my father accepted Christ before he passed away. And so I hope to see him one day. Yeah. So you're not raised in a believing home. No. But then... But because because I went to church with Sam and, and fully knew what it was to be saved and to be baptized, yeah. began began my growth there. And of course, I began to put a lot of pressure on my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's not until high school then that all of this no. happens when really, you when you meet him. and. About True commitment. Okay. So how would you describe your life before Christ? What was Emery's life before Christ? Oh, Emery's life as this young child probably was like any other child. That yeah. uh, I think I always wanted to be a good girl. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to please my parents. I don't think I ever rebelled into anything, even in high school. Mm -hmm. I want, always wanted to please my parents. And of course, becoming a Christian, you take on the responsibility and wanting to please God. Yeah. So you're in high school and tell me how you meet Sam. Um, because clearly your salvation is connected to meeting him and, and yeah. all that. So tell me exactly. how you guys meet. How is he talking to you about God? Like how does he come to introduce no, you to actually, the Lord? I met him in high school, but how I really, really began to meet him more is my girlfriend really had her eye on him. And so we would walk, go down to the football field, see we played football, and see him. And so, of course, I met him. But one night after football, everybody goes to the Y, and my parents would bring me from five miles out of town to come and go to the football games. But I'd always have to get a friend to bring me home. So that particular night, my friends, uh, who was interested in Sam, her brother took me home. But when we went to get in the car, 
I was told to get in the back seat and sit on Sam's lap. <laughs> and so what happens? So he jokes about the fact that she felt nice to die. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't until the following summer that he and I began to date. And, of course, he worked up at a Christian conference center on weekends. So he really wasn't available and mm. as I went through school to do things. And I was very involved in student activities. And so I attended everything. But it wasn't until I was out of school that I began to spend more time with him. And, and of course, like I told you about the second day, he took me to church to meet his parents, wow. me in church. So he invited to church. Mm-hmm. How is he sharing Christ with you? Do you remember? Yeah, Sam actually had a Bible study on campus. And uh, so he was very bold about his faith. He had, he'll tell you about his faith. But uh, um, I just remember him taking me to his church. And uh, I don't remember Sam uh, sharing a lot about the gospel or things of that nature because I was there in church and, and getting those things. And, you know, as young people, we really didn't know how to share Christ like mm-hmm. we do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we mature, right, like in mm-hmm. our faith and the sanctification. Mm-hmm. So when you go to this church, um, what are you thinking about? Like, what, what's going through your mind when you're sitting at this church and you're hearing, clearly you're hearing the gospel and mm-hmm. the words being taught. So what's what's going through your mind? I mean, this is your probably your well, first time. Well, actually, before that time, when I because I lived out of town, um, I was spending a lot of different weekends with friends in town. And I had a Portuguese friend, and I would go to the Catholic church with her. <laughs> and, I, and I had a Baptist friend. And I go to church with her, but I felt more comfortable in that Baptist church, and so that probably because of my earlier learnings, mm-hmm. uh, I, I knew that I never wanted to to go to the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a boyfriend that I was dating before I started dating Sam, and he was Catholic, but I knew that I would never choose to go that way, mm-hmm. because I knew very well that I believed that Jesus was part of the of the Baptist church. Yeah. Do you remember the the time that the Lord saved you? Like, do you remember when you repented from your sin, that you understood you're standing before God? You know, I seriously, I think I I think I must have made that commitment as a child because I never felt like growing up that I was unrepentant. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't know that word anyway. But I'm sure as I began to go to church, I realized and learning about sin and repentance and all those things that I acknowledge that but I couldn't tell you a time mm-hmm. that I actually did that yeah, yeah I, I think I hear I that a lot forward and wanted to be baptized mm-hmm. okay and so how do you see your life changing you know uh, how do you see your life changing then of uh, being part of this church uh mm-hmm. realizing you know mm-hmm. learning about right sin about mm-hmm. repentance right do you see any changes in your life well, at that point in time, no, I just felt like I would just continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And, of course, and later as we got married, we, we wanted to find a church in this area. And so that begins another story. Yeah. All right. So let me get to Sam then. So same thing, Sam. Just uh, if you could think back about your upbringing, your family, and then where well, you're raised in a believing home. And yeah, you can take it from there. I, mean, I was very fortunate in that I did have uh, a mother and a father who were strong believers. They uh, were ones who 
um, really taught the children to do right in every phase of life. It was just, that's the only way you lived. You lived uh, in a way that would glorify God, uh, that would be a, a testimony to others. And I remember my mom uh, would read the Bible every day to me. I was I was the youngest of four four children, and my siblings have gone, would go to school, and uh, I had mom all to myself. That was always very, I remember very exciting when they left, because I had mom, and uh, and mom was so faithful and so uh, godly. She would pull out the Bible and. And she would read every day to me. Uh, I just remember that as a, just a, a great memory uh, growing up. Of course, my mom was such a good person that uh, she. Uh, we lived out in the uh, the countryside. Mm-hmm. We had a dairy farm out there. It was in the days right after the depression. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of uh, homeless people. Uh, we call them today. We called them hobos, uh, <laughs> traveling the road. We lived on the main highway, 60, Highway 66. And Mom would always have a, a, a pot of chicken vegetable soup on the table, on the, on the stove. And uh, if any of those people wandered in uh, from the highway to our house, uh, she would invite them in for soup. Yeah. Uh, that... <laughs> For some reason, that was uh, I was so impressed that for my mom there was no strangers. It was only the, to do good. Every day it seems like there would be some new person that would be sitting at the table uh, and eating her great uh, uh, chicken vegetable soup, <laughs> and uh, so that was a, an impression. My dad was a, a very hardworking man. Uh, I didn't see a lot of my dad because he was always working. Mm. He had three jobs. I remember when I was a kid, he was a banker in town. And uh, he had, of course, the job of the dairy, running the dairy farm. We had the largest dairy farm in uh, Creek County, Oklahoma. Mm. And so it was a big business. But he ran that, plus he worked at a glass factory uh, on the weekends. And uh, so I didn't see a lot of my dad, but my dad impressed me uh, as a really faithful, godly man. He was uh, superintendent of the Sunday school at our big Baptist church in Bristol, Oklahoma. And uh, so he was very faithful to that job. And But what impressed me most was like I said, we were. Just, these were days after the depression, so things things were still pretty hard, and a lot of people didn't have the money to buy milk. Of course, we had all the milk in the county, <laughs> so they had to buy milk from us <laughs> if they were going to have milk. He would have the route. We would go on a route, and I was I was the smallest, so I didn't. My brothers would drive the truck and run the deliveries. And I would fill the orders in the back of the truck. He would take a, um, a, a tray or a carton of, of milk or canned milk to a neighbor to pick up 
their empty bottles or empty cans and bring them back. And I remember that uh, every Friday they were supposed to make payments for what they received. And many times they would bring the empties back, but no money. Mm. But inside the cans or inside a package of, or the crate of bottles would be some kind of gift that they could give. Mm. Maybe they were growing potatoes in their backyard. Uh, or maybe uh, mom in that house made some little doily or something. Anything they could do, they would put it back in the can or in the, in the tray to bring back for payment. Dad never stopped delivering milk to anybody for lack of payment. Mm. Some people didn't send anything back, but they were very happy to get the milk, and Dad was just as happy to give it to them as the ones who paid. That as a little kid really impressed me. And I thought, boy, my dad is such a good guy. <laughs> Even though I didn't have the opportunity to, to relate a lot to him because he was so busy. And that, that part I regret of my life that I didn't have a, a, a real strong relationship with my dad because he just didn't have time for us. Uh, we saw him on Sunday and uh, uh, saw him sometimes down at the dairy. And uh, other than that, you know, dad was just, he was dad and he was, uh, he was authority. He was a good man, he loved God. And in fact, I do remember that on occasions when it was really stormy and the weather was so bad that the, like the bridge would wash out, we, he would open the homes to all the people on this side of the bridge mm. to people to come on Sunday, and he would, he would teach the Bible. And that was always really special to realize that our home was always open uh, to the people in need. I had the privilege of growing up on, with parents who worked hard, no question about their love for the Lord. Yeah, so both parents, believers, yeah, strong believers. So. and um, Very blessed. Yeah. So, Sam, how do you remember your parents teaching you about Christ, teaching you about sin? Um, obviously, you know, uh, even though you're raised in a believing home, doesn't mean that well, you are saved you don't inherit salvation no, i think i was a little guy i was you know i was five six seven years old i remember mom uh, giving me the plan of salvation practically every day <laughs> <laughs> she'd ever she'd read the bible and she would go over the plan of salvation and i probably accepted the lord a thousand times i don't know which one really stuck if any of those stuck because later I had a very special experience. But uh, I just remember uh, I, I didn't grow up knowing anything else but to love God because mm. that's the way my parents were. And, and because we lived in the country, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the world anyway. Where did you grow up? What? Bristol, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay. Yeah. Do you have any siblings, and were you the only? I, have, uh, I had two brothers and a sister. Two brothers and sisters. And because I was the youngest, they were, they were, had already gone in school and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know much about the world because I lived in the world of the farm and my mother, who was uh, constantly 
quoting scripture to me. <laughs> yeah. So you grew up then in Oklahoma, and you have two siblings. Right, three. Three. Three siblings. Two brothers and a sister. And are you the oldest or? The youngest. Yeah. You're the youngest. youngest. Okay. Are there also believers? You're, uh, they, they've they, got to... Yes. Uh, all of them, to my knowledge, yeah. Uh, Praise the Lord. Are, are believers. I don't think he could be in my family and not be a believer. <laughs> You're hearing about Jesus, right? Because that's where you're yeah, saying right. that your parents were very faithful to teach you about mm-hmm. Christ and all that. So let's move on then to your high school years. Um, this is where you meet Emery. So tell me your side. So when you meet her, like when do you, you know, when you first meet her and. Well, I remember I was introduced to we in football practice and. Uh, I met her one of the practice days. The girl she was with, like she said, she had her eyes on me for some reason. I don't know. They signaled me over, and that's when she, her friend introduced me to Emery. Uh-huh. So I had, I had met her. Maybe we had seen each other after that in school. I don't know. She was a big officer and a very important person in school. <laughs> so naturally, I was impressed to meet her Aww. because she was uh, uh, everybody knew Emery. So it was uh, it was kind of nice, and I saw them out watching football practice <laughs> frequently. I thought that was interesting. No, you didn't. I kind of really thought she was pretty special. <laughs> no, you didn't. She's yes, like, I no, did. no. Yeah, I did. So were you she, saved at this point? Like, no, yes, you were saved at this point. So. Let me actually go back to that. So how would you describe yourself before Christ and then after Christ? Before Christ, before I actually felt that there was a very special event in my life, I only knew uh, to live a very moral life. Mm. Uh, that's the way my parents taught us. And and so we they were our examples for life and living. And uh, so we pretty well followed what most people would say would be uh, be an example of Christian life. Although, and as I told you earlier, even though I accepted Christ because my mom would give me the invitation time and time again, I don't know that there was any particular time when I was young that uh, there was a special meaning to me. It wasn't until I had moved, we had moved off of the farm and into another city, and I was about 10 years old, and I knew about sin, and I was starting to believe, for whatever reason, that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And I was coming home from school one day on my bicycle, and I just had an overwhelming sense of God that I needed salvation. I needed to ask him into my heart. That's the point in time that I feel like I really accepted Christ uh, truly into my heart. I'd accepted him and believed in him all along, but I hadn't really made the personal commitment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so instead of going home, I went right to my pastor's house. I knew where he lived and uh, knocked on the door and it was, he was home for and he came in and welcomed me, brought me into his living room. I remember sitting beside, uh, in front of a big fireplace that was going. So I told him why I was there. I was crying. I was I was overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit. I told him that I wanted to accept Jesus Christ into my heart. I knew I needed to do that. And so he 
he again led me through the scriptures to that point. And the interesting thing is I was excited and I wanted to be baptized right away. And so the pastor said, well, uh, I want you to come forward Sunday Mm -hmm. and make a public confession of Jesus Christ. And so I was excited. I hadn't told my folks yet. I thought it would be a really exciting day for them. And uh, so when I popped up out of my seat and the invitation came and I went down front, my dad says, what in the world are you doing? And he got up and followed me down and sat next to me. He says, what are you doing? I said, I came to forward because I met with a pastor and accepted Christ this week. And he told me to come forward. And he says, oh, I think you're too young. I don't think you really understand at this uh-huh. point. He says, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, Dad, I understand. I know I know what I'm doing. And and Jesus is in my heart. So I was baptized. I mean, it was, it was an interesting phenomena that happened. How old are you at this point? Ten, when you get I was baptized? ten. When you got baptized as well? Ten. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so what so. happens then after after that? Like, how do you see um, the Lord growing you and even changes in your life? Oh, well, right? I, I think I was even more interested in, in reading scriptures. And I think I probably wanted to tell all my friends about Jesus. I remember just being very excited about the Lord in my life, mm. even though he was there before, but he was in my heart now. And I knew it. When we we moved later, moved to California, uh, I still had that zeal to share with my friends. And I remember playing football and leading the football squad in prayer and witnessing to as many people who would listen to me. Mm-hmm. I had a set up, had a Bible study mm-hmm. at school. school. In high school. High school. So you had a Bible yeah. study in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they actually allowed that in those days. <laughs> you have a Bible study, and then so are you leading this? or yes. Yeah, so you're leading the Bible study. So let's go back then to now high school. You met her, you met Emery, and um, when you first meet her, what are you, what are you thinking? You meet well, her? I, I think she's pretty special. I knew, I knew that she was uh, she's very popular in school. I just thought it was nice to meet her, and it was kind of neat that they were coming out and watching practice. You know, I, I'd see them. I'd check it out, see who's watching. <laughs> and uh, and, and they, she and her friend would come. And I think I was really more interested in her than I was her friend, although we didn't really uh, exchange anything like that because in those days you were, I suppose, loyalty was a big thing. So once uh, her f- friend, as she told me, her friend ex- Real revealed to her that she was interested in me. She didn't dare have any, you know, she didn't want to interfere at all. So I don't think she had any plans or or any idea that that, uh, the two of us would ever get together. But it was a little bit later after a football game that uh, we all were at the YMCA where we usually had a kind of a youth activity at that time. Some some were dancing and others were just playing simple little games or chatting. 
Anyway, it was just a place to meet. So that particular night, uh, <clears throat> unbeknownst to me, Emery didn't have a ride home, but her friend's brother um, offered to take me. Offered to take take her home, and I was already scheduled to go home mm. with him. I mean, he was going to take me home too. So there I was sitting in the back seat when Emery came and joined the little party. <laughs> And there was no place to sit but on my lap. <laughs> so, so I got the privilege of holding this girl because they didn't have seat belts. I had to, I was a seat belt holder. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and several miles to go. Mm. So I suppose I thought it was a little bumpy, so I had to hold on tight. <laughs> this is a really sweet girl. I like, I like, I like holding her <laughs> and we had a nice time we we talked because uh, she's very popular and very you know talkative if you know emory you know talkative right. uh and so we chatted and became good friends i think in that one meeting i don't remember how long was it the next week no honey you she worked he worked on the weekends up at christian coffee ground so i really didn't see him till the Spending time until the following summer. Mm, okay. Was it that long? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Because yeah, you were working. <laughs> yeah, I was working. always working, too. Yeah, you were working on the weekends. So he wasn't there to go to things at school. So So you said that you, you guys started spending more time after school, yeah, like yeah, during yeah, the summer? After summer. After in summer. summer. In the summer. After school. Got out of school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening? So what happened with you guys then? Well, because I don't know, because I worked at Force Home all, all summer, too. So must coming home on the weekends. How did I ask you? Okay. Do you remember? Yeah. How did you ask her? How? Yeah. If I was working all the time, yeah. how how did I do that? Yeah. Well, that was later. That was much later. He, in, in fact, the the first the first time that he actually asked me to go somewhere with another couple, mm. and came home, he walked me to the back door, and he said, "Don't I deserve a kiss?" <laughs> <laughs> he was brash. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he went forward. Very forward. Yeah. So, anyway, but then we began to date. But I was a I was ahead of him in school. We both were the same age, but we, by illnesses, we all ended up at a lower or higher class. I began to go to junior college. But that first year I was in junior college, I developed a very serious illness mm. that uh, ended me in the hospital. And that night he came in with a football injury, and came down to see me the next morning in a wheelchair oh. to see me, and he had been injured. Wow. And um, But anyway, so our relationship just began to grow and grow and grow and grow until he graduated and went on to UCLA. So and how long did you guys date it, and how did you propose to her? Well, we were dated off and on. Well, all, never, never off, always on. Four years. For four years. Four years. Yeah, we're wow. pretty... Going we were, to school and everything. Yeah, as as best as we could, uh, communicate with each other. And in fact, she was my typist all through college. I would do my papers during the week and bring them. We'd get together on the weekends. She would either drive down or I would go home. Uh-huh. And my we aunt lived in North Hollywood, so I could come down for the days of football games at UCLA, which was a big deal, you know, <laughs> for me to come down to yeah. go to that. And uh, so, so we just began. You know, a long-term relationship. You know, 
And uh, I knew he was down with all those cute UCLA girls. Uh, so I would hope he stayed loyal. <laughs> he did. He did. He so did. how? what are you guys both majoring in then? Like, what do you go to school for? Well, I had to drop out of school because of my illness. Uh-huh. And so I, in my mind, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. But I never did go back to school. Okay. Because um, later we began to talk about getting married. Mm. And, of course, I had a job at a bank, and uh, I could transfer down to here to the San Fernando Valley. Where were you at this time? I was working in Redlands, which is two hours from here. And his parents also lived up there in Yucaipa, farther above where I lived. And... uh, um, but, of course, he was going to UCLA, so we came down and looked for a place. And we looked out over in Westwood, but it was we were not used to that damp weather. Okay. So we settled here in the San Fernando Valley. Mm-hmm. He worked at Ralph's Market. We traveled every day to go to Ralph's Market. We had to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I worked at the bank. And we, had, we were married uh, three years before we had our first child. Okay. And so what do you uh, study in uh, yeah. UCLA and uh, then you're still playing football well, in there? Uh, well, well, she meant. Yeah. I had a scholarship to go to UCLA uh, to play football, but I, I also had injuries. And, and interesting enough, I had a business with my dad. Where we were in the egg business, chicken mm-hmm. eggs mm-hmm. Uh, business. And so I developed a route, an egg route, and through in the sororities and the fraternities, I was in a fraternity, following my dad's footsteps, always entrepreneur type of guy, trying to have a opportunity to make money. And so we developed this nice egg route, and it worked out perfect because she was my egg delivery. I had a 35 Ford, and that was before freeways, and I brought these cartons of eggs in big boxes on the back seat, and every time I stop at a stop sign, I'd have to reach back and try to keep those eggs from falling over. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough job, yeah. <laughs> just to make sure those eggs get alive. Yeah, in those days, they didn't have freeways. You stopped <laughs> oh. Highway 66 all oh. the way. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's but anyway, that was our date. We, we would meet each other, and then we would deliver eggs. Wow. Well, I didn't. He did. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, I did. but she would drive with me. That, that was our date together. Yeah. I was delivering eggs. No. But then we'd go to the game. Okay. But you weren't playing anymore but because of the that, injuries. You have to that, stop. Yeah, I gave up my scholarship because it was just, it was too much. Uh, so did you drop out of school? And, no, no, no. No, you continue. No. No, it's just that I didn't like uh, playing ball for UCLA because um, it took. Uh, to me, football was so much fun. I loved football. But when I went to UCLA, it was a business. Mm. And I did not identify mm-hmm. with the way in which they administered the game. It was big okay. business to them. And uh, you became just a number, not even a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was no fun for me at all. I mean, besides beat, getting beat up every day <laughs> down there. Yeah, it's a very aggressive <laughs> uh, Very aggressive, sport. yeah. So then uh, you stay at UCLA for school, and what do you study then? Um, well, I eventually ended up in kinesiology. So that's what I pursued because it, <clears throat> it, it gave me an avenue to an area that I really did enjoy, and that's 
a rehabilitation, the field of rehabilitation, kind of bounced between the major and getting involved, which was a new profession at, at that time, physical therapy. Yeah. And so I uh, took courses uh, to further identify the area, this area that I I loved, and and uh, there were I worked in a lab, uh, exercise lab, and the gentleman there was he was a physical therapist, but now he was a professor, a PhD. Uh, he was my main uh, tutor. We developed a great friendship, and he he encouraged me to uh, consider college teaching. He thought that he identified with me and I identified with him, and that's the route he went from physical therapy into teaching mm. at the college level. So I pursued uh, courses that would give me guidance and direction toward college teaching. So then is, is that what you do then after you graduate from yeah. UCLA? So you started, how, how, how long did you teach for? 45 years. Wow. That's his son. A season. Season, yeah. Okay, so 45 years. So, okay, so I'm still interested in knowing how do you propose to Emery? How does that happen? <laughs> well, I know it's going to happen because he's going to give me a ring type of thing. <laughs> so, so he does come up and he does propose to me and get me my Where ring. are you guys? Where? Where I'm at my home because we have a party to go to, mm -hmm. I think bank party or something. Mm -hmm. Where they to show off my ring, you know, type of situation. So this is before the party. So he comes yeah, to your house, and then he proposes, yeah. and then you go off my to... ring. Wow. And then, uh, we go to that party. And when did you guys get married? I think probably at that time. We got the party on June of 1955. June of 1955. So you guys have been married now for... Six, 67 years. Wow. 67 years. Long time. That's amazing. What a blessing. Yeah, it's a long time. But but you know what? We've just had this incredible life mm. uh, because it was centered on Christ. Mm. And, of course, when we got married and moved down here, we began looking for a church. Mm. And we go back to Van Nuys Baptist, but they've had 2,000 <laughs> people. It's like, oh, no. you know. So then we try some other little Baptist church, and it just, I think, was clicking. Well, let me tell you. First time we went to Van Nuys Baptist. Yeah. And it, it, here, here's the deal. Uh, we both work. I go to school and I work for. I have 48 hour uh, week job. Yeah. Going to school full time. She's working full time. So Sunday is our big day to be yeah. together. And you guys are married. And we're married, married now. And you're doing all of this. And so, so we go to. Van Nuys Baptist. The young Mary's and, class. Into the young Mary's class. The first thing they did was say, the men, the men will go over here and the women will go over here. You're each in a separate class. Aww. We looked at each other and says, we don't like this at all. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go back. We yeah. didn't go back. Oh. Actually, they, they met together and they sang together. Yeah. Then the men went on the class, the women went on the class. Okay. And I think it was because there were several in that men's group that were seminarians okay. and they were talking differently. Yeah. But anyway, we didn't go back. We kept looking. Okay. But Sam worked at Ralph's and his manager over him at Ralph's was Don Bacon. 
and Don Bacon was part of a group of people that went to the little country church of Hollywood. That was a city block behind Hollywood Press Church. And um, so he knew that we were trying different churches. So he asked us to go one Sunday night down to his church. And there we heard Dr. Don Householder. And he was a real warm fuzzy. And uh, But they had a sing afterwards at a friend's house, or apartment, I should say. And all these young couples came, different ages, actually. Some were our age, and many were older. Most of but them anyway, were older. They were so happy and nice to us, and it just felt so comfortable to be in a nice Christian group. Uh, so then later, they had a progressive dinner out in the valley because the church was down in Hollywood, and then they had a progressive dinner. And I remember going to uh, three different houses. We ended up at the Michelson's house. Well, Martin, the Michelson's were, he was a contractor, so he mm. had a beautiful home down here in lower Northridge be at Low Nordahl. And so we met them right away, and we met the Smiths and all these other wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And so then Shirley calls one day and says, we're starting a church here in the valley, and we'd love to have you come. And we were with them from the second Sunday they ever met. And they met, they had rented a, a, nurse, a, a, a house that had been turned into a nursery school. It was on Magnolia and Kester. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, you know, it was close. So we started going there, and they ended up with about 80 people, people that came from down there and all around. And so during that year, Dr. Householder began to go look at property, and Burton began to look at property, and that's how they found the chicken farm. Now, the chicken farm was facing Cantera. Roscoe Boulevard was not even in yet, but they were building houses out there, and Roscoe was going to go through. So that very first year... They found the property, and would you believe, I just confirmed this with Burton, that the anniversary of our first anniversary of having a church together, that chapel was built. Now, see, that would never happen today because all the permits and everything, but Burton had gotten all the permits and built that chapel so that we, our first anniversary as a group, that chapel was built, and we moved into that chapel. And, of course, we always had the chicken farms and all the the things that we had to use on the property, mm-hmm. and there was a uh, the uh, there was a, uh, a garage back there that we yeah. called Shack in the back. That's where the first bookstore started. Yeah. And Sam actually taught a young adult class in that in that room at one time. And of course, we had buses and we had all these things where uh, we they converted these chicken coops into classrooms for the high yeah. school and, and stuff like that. But it was really a fun fun beginning because of a small group, and we had potlucks and things that we did to build fellowship. And it was just a... a, a and and this Burton. is what you're describing right now. It's the beginning of what we know now yes. as Grace Community very, Church. Yeah, the right. very beginning of Grace Community Church. Yeah. And yeah, was, and we that first year, which was in, uh, in 1956, six. yeah, we were building the church. And... <clears throat> I think every other weekend, I'm not sure about this, but uh, we had uh, work days at the church mm-hmm. on Saturday. And uh, so the men would come, and Burton would have job assignments for all laid out of people that had the abilities to do different things. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of young men there, so there were a lot of skills. We went uh, according to where we would 
be the best, make best use of our skills. But it was a wonderful fellowship, the men all working together, and that's where we really developed a tremendous bond and support. And that's what we saw happen, I think, all through the early years of Grace Church. Tremendous fellowship, tremendous love for each other. People were praying for each other. We were having children, all young families, babies everywhere. And, uh, because in the beginning, the chapel, as you know it today, yeah. um, that wall that's, when you come in, mm-hmm. that wall, that used to be a glass window mm. because there, that room there was the nursery. Uh-huh. And so even when I had my babies, we, we were in there listening to the pastor preach, but you were in there and you met with other mothers, with the babies, and yeah. uh, formed some really great relationship that way. But the church, we just, and Dr. Householder, uh, John Mundick and Shirley, and the Mark MacArthur's and them formed a blueprint for Grace Church. Um, they actually called Shirley's father to be the pastor. He mm-hmm. was, he is the one that came and, and uh, began to be a pastor. But he didn't start the church. The Smiths, the Michaelson, and that one group actually yeah. formed for a formation of it. And Dick Smith was the school principal. He mm-hmm. was very, very good at planning things. Everybody had their talents. Burton had his skills as a builder. Dick had a, as, was able to plan out things concerning Sunday school and all those things. So and, uh, when you said the, earlier that uh, when uh, the amount of people that were meeting together mm-hmm. was 80 people, about 80 people, uh, about 80 people. Mm-hmm. and then a year later, it's when you guys uh, built the... During that the chapel year. during that first first year, yeah. you guys build a chapel, mm-hmm. and it's where you first meet for your first year anniversary yes, yes. as a church. Yes. Eighty people 80 in the chapel, and then you said something. I know if I've heard this many times. The chicken coops. That's what well, it, it was. A chicken farm. A chicken they farm. Barred, yeah, and so there. they had these coops, uh, these houses, chicken houses, okay. all over the property, all over. Yeah. In there. So we took advantage of that and actually converted them. Uh, to Sunday school classrooms. That was a place for shelter, and we could start to divide. As yeah. we grew, we were looking for other opportunities. Tell me about that, about the progress of that. From the moment you guys build the chapel, who is, uh, and I know that you started mentioning about this, who is the pastor at this moment, and how do you guys see the church growing? And who, well, what role is everyone playing in this? we were a community church. Yeah. We were advertised as a community church. So it drew people, drew people because we were in a good location mm-hmm. near all those tract homes and things. And just because we, people were outreach, probably, we probably had some people going in the neighborhood and things like that. I don't recall that because mm-hmm. that wasn't my, one of my jobs. But anyway, they, uh, uh, but we just began to grow. And there, there was a time when they called us uh, the Church of the Valley um, because we had, grown a lot of people, mm-hmm. grew a lot of people. But it was Dr. Householder was there for 12 and a half years. He had a, died with a heart attack mm-hmm. in that church office right there. In there, on yeah. campus. So then, what was your role there? Well, how were you serving? And also you, like, what was your role in the founding of every, yes, yeah. you know, of this church and building? Well, we, we were very involved. The thing is, Sam was going to school still. Yeah. And so he was limited to what he could do because he went on through for his master's and a PhD. Okay. So he was always at school. But he served 
when he could. And there was a time when he could teach, and then later when he had to just be on the elder board or something because he, he was too busy finishing school. Yeah. Um, so at the very beginning, I'm just there starting off probably helping teach in this Sunday school. And then I moved up to junior high. Mm-hmm. And then I moved up to high school. Now this is many year, over many series of years. I was also, we brought from, from the little country church of Hollywood, we brought a missions group, which was called the Oriental Mish, Missionary Society. And the founder of that, president, he was the brother of Dr. Pastor, Dr. Um, Householder's sister, his mm-hmm. wife, his wife. He was the uh, brother of her. And they were there for some time, and then they moved back to Indiana. But we started with a missions group. That was our first literal women's ministry. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I was part of that ministry and later became the president over it. And, and I just grew in administrative kind of things, helping with banquets and things like that. And uh, Shirley was very good at that. And we worked on different things. And uh, We had about, family camps. Yes. Uh, about okay. a couple of years after we began there at Grace, Dr. Householder came to me and said, would you be the registrar for a family camp? Mm-hmm. Now, the wonderful thing is I grew up in Ukraipa, just down the hill from, from the Christian Conference Ground where Sam worked, actually. And he asked me to set up a, a, a family camp. And so, I mean, what did I know? But I just set it up, set up, got all the people coming, and, and uh, we, it's just, we had a good group that went up there. And, of course, every night we just had some things together. At 4 o'clock we would have uh, tea time, and it was just fun. And, of course, I was, I was only 21 years old at that time. Later, I was pregnant. I was pregnant, and was in with the high school girls, mm-hmm. but nobody knew I was pregnant yet. But anyway, it was just a, a time of fellowship. And the neat thing was, the men came up on Friday night because they were all working, and mm-hmm. Burtonette did come with his wife. But uh, Sam and Dick and those other guys, they all came up and spent Saturday with us over at the lake. Those were just times of bonding, and 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 some of the older ladies. You know, they all came and they they did things in the skits and we had talent night and it was just a, a fun, fun time. I can remember those things very vividly and this as they grow. And of course, the older ladies in the church that, um, like I said, they were, you know, their 50s or 50s or 60s. I mean, they did cooking and they did things that I just observed, just observed how they did those things. And they were real mentors to me. Now, I grew up with a mother that was very involved in many act- activities. I had learned a lot of things from my own mother. Mm-hmm. But these ladies now doing it through the through Christian and doing everything, and everything had to match, and everything had to be just a certain way. I learned all those things. And uh, uh, so that was great. And so I just, I, I evolved through the church thing, going all the way up. And uh, in later years, I was in the, help start the first college girl ministry at Grace after John had come. Right. And when, the, when John came, he wanted everybody to be discipled. Well, you know what? The girls all wanted to be discipled, but nobody knew how to disciple. Yeah. Because we had not had any training on things like that. So I even set up a reproducing ministry to have some of my friends meet with these girls, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't discipleship. Because the girls, what they wanted, was to spend time with Christian families, yeah. That would encourage them. So what year 
uh, what was the year that you guys arrived um well, we know today at Grace Community Church, but it's just a group of like 80 people. So well, those well, yeah. people came from that little country church. When, when there had been a, a problem down at the little country church where they had promised to give them, build them Sunday school facility, and they reneged that onto the people that, re, that were in charge of it. So that's when they decided to start the church. What and year was this? That was, it would be 1955 before they came over to start it in 1956. So 19... 19- 55 is when you guys decide to well we got married and we were here and they that's when they began to want to start that church in 56 so 56 is when they decide to make the church actually we're meeting then we start meeting in the north hollywood at this little nursery school can you name who were the main people of like founding grace community church dick and shirley smith burton and dolores michelson I can't even remember another name. Toby. All those people are gone now, and they're gone, literally gone to heaven. Yeah. Bill Mead. Bill Mead, yes. And then you two. You are the group that are working into founding this church and building and... Just just involved where we could be. There were many people that did many things. Uh, And, of course, but that that had a group of seniors and... and, uh, uh, young people like the Smiths, the Smiths and the Michelsons were young okay. and had building their families. So when Pastor John arrives to Grace Community Church, he's the third pastor. He so yeah. So tell me that process of selecting a new pastor. Like, how did you guys, you know, what was happening, and how do you guys go by selecting a new pastor for well, your church? All, Why are you looking for a new pastor? Our first pastor passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he was there, I think it was really just nine years. Twelve, but twelve years. He was very wonderful, faithful pastor, and we had grown to about four hundred people. Wow! Under From his eighty to yes, four hundred. Uh, then he passed away. Uh, we, someone had uh, recommended this pastor from Arizona, Arizona, Doctor Elvey, and he came out and uh, they they hired him, and he was there for two years. Okay. And then he passed away. And oh. he passed away. This was in 1968. Uh, 60, probably 68. 68. It was when LB passed away. And then, because John came February 69. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he beat, I think that pastor was gone for a, a year before they got John. And the interesting thing is the committee, of course, was looking again. but But some high school kids... In our church, had gone to a camp, mm-hmm. another church camp, and they heard this young man called John MacArthur, and he was funny and he he taught really great, and so they came back and they said, "Why don't you hire? Why don't you have him come and preach?" We were having guest preachers at that time, and so he came to preach, and and you've heard the story, I'm sure. Tell me your side of the story. You guys are sitting there hearing this young man, funny man, well, <laughs> preaching Patricia, at the church. Patricia, after he leaves, Patricia says to him on their way home, we'll never be invited back to that church again. Why? And you went an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a he funny? He really was a fast-talking. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I've listened. Yeah. I actually have listened to the uh, yeah. to one of the first sermons well, of 69. Were, I mean, so. he, his voice is way up there, yeah. and really, really, really fast. But, but he was what? great. We loved him. So what was, yeah, what was, what did you guys think when you hear this man preaching? 
Uh, wow. Well, yeah, why? Well, because we had always been under topical pastoring. Mm. This is a guy teaching the Bible. That was something we'd never had. That was a totally new thing to hear the Bible being preached. Through the so, whole sermon. Like it verse by verse. Yeah, right, yes. verse by verse. I mean, right off the bat, you know. But we haven't heard that kind of stuff. And even though he talked really fast, the older people, even though they weren't getting it all, they just liked this young man. Yeah. And, of course, he's young, yeah. 28 years old. And yeah. um, it was a very exciting thing for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the process when you guys... Um, were you guys part of that committee of talking about, um, well, uh, we you, Sam, part of that. no, you were not. Okay. Of the, that committee. Okay. Which, of uh, choosing which, uh, the pastor. Yeah, no, we weren't part of that committee. Okay. That was very exciting for the church because, uh, and of course, it was also always about a joke that we needed a young one now. <laughs> yes. The committee actually reached out to everybody and, I mean, and everyone was just so joyous and happy mm. uh, oh yeah that uh, no doubt they really loved John it was kind of love at first speech <laughs> hey, this was the man for the job so he became the pastor on February of 1969, 1969. Yeah. and so now that has been what 50 yeah it's phenomenal and of course the church began to grow every year it started doubling in size, actually. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there came the time. Now, they'd already built the other Sunday school building uh, across from it. But they'd also then, uh, be, be, well, John was there. They needed yeah. to grow more. And then, so they built that Sunday school building that's behind the chapel that it had to extend in over to what we called the gym at that time. But it was the family center now. But mm-hmm. we were growing so fast, we couldn't build fast enough. Uh, and uh, so we get when we got to the point where we could actually open up another building, we were already at two services and wow. people waiting in line to get in. So how well, clearly you guys are saying uh, like just how you saw the church growing and everything. Um, do you guys remember when the worship center was first built? Yes. What year was that when they built? Do you remember? The big, the big auditorium? Yeah, the big yeah. auditorium. You yeah. know what? I don't know the date of that. Um, okay. I really don't know the date of it. It was... Like how long after Pastor ten, John arrived to Grace Community Church? Ten years, I think. Ten years after he arrived? After he became the pastor? Years, I'm guessing. Okay. Because uh, you see, we built... Uh, the gym. We <laughs> built the gym. Yeah. And then we built the... No, yeah, that was that was afterwards. Then Burton started building that the worship center, and it was after the worship was built. Then we built the tower building. Uh, he didn't build that one, but but that was built. And then the seminary was built. Hmm. I think it was about ten years, probably after John came, ten or eleven years. Maybe that we got moved into the worship center. So how did you guys see? I mean, clearly you guys came in from the very beginning before it. It, it is what it is today, right? Like what we know, Grace Community Church. How did you guys see God's providence through all this process? Oh, well, I mean, I mean, you can't even imagine how we feel starting with a small group that God has blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. Who would have ever, ever, ever thought that? Yeah. Uh, but 
God's I, I think we were just re renewed every Sunday. We would go and just thrilled to see the people pouring in. Hmm. I mean, and we used to know everybody, and now suddenly we don't know anybody. <laughs> There's just people everywhere. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. You know, and it, was, it created such joy in your heart to see how God was working in the lives of people. And we were just teaching the Bible, that's all. We had no yeah. gimmicks. No one was putting on anything special. John just taught us fact, one verse at a time. He wouldn't allow anything special other than Clayton with the, with the uh, music, like music concerts. But he never wanted to, these big things that a lot of churches, Van Eisen, were putting on to attract mm -hmm. kids and things. He never wanted any of that. Yeah. He, he definitely was very much against anything that was too showy. And uh, he had a lot of, you know, strengths, a lot of just of certain things. He had a lot of rules. Uh, we had used to have a bulletin that said, always a friendly face at Grace. He took that off. Uh, there was another <laughs> slogan that we had. Uh, he had, he would, there were definitely things that he did not want. He didn't want gimmicks. No, he any kind of gimmicks at all. No, he, says he just wanted people to know that we taught the Bible. We were yeah. known as a worship center that worshiped God and the Scripture yeah. and His Word. We're all convicted under His leadership and His teaching that that's what we all eventually wanted. Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't care about anything else. We just wanted to know the Word of God. But we were putting on different events like... Um, and that was the Shepherds Conference in the beginning, although that has been going on a long time. Yeah. But special things, the special uh, meetings they would have with different people that would come in and speak. It wasn't a revival necessarily, but, but we would have different special events. Hmm. And, uh, and of course, we always have had great music. We didn't get Clayton until after John was here. Mm -hmm. But we'd always had a music leader that was just a layman, you know. That, in fact, between... Dr. Householder and uh, or between Dr. Elvie and before John came, our pastor of, that was over music kept us together, you know, kept us together mm -hmm. while we were waiting for the next one to come along. How would you describe Grace Community Church now? Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just, it's just overwhelming to us. And uh, of course, I'm in a position right now where I'm not able to, to attend mm -hmm. and but I could stream it, and it's such a blessing that I could stream it, and I don't have to miss only the special events that I was part of. Yeah. I'd say it, it's too long between services. <laughs> we, we can't wait from Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Uh, of course, we, we, we don't have the fellowship because we're kind of situated here at home, mm -hmm. but uh, that's the greatest day of the week to look forward to and we just marvel as we look out as the cameras pan the, the audience and I, it's just a thrill that you can't describe to think that those people are there and they're hungry to hear the word of God we were, we were really privileged to be when John said let's go back to church we went back to church and that was so exciting we got COVID Mm -hmm. We got COVID when we were at church uh, and had it right at the very beginning. But we were just so thrilled to be there. And he'd open up the church and 
and there were lawsuits and all those yeah. things. And it was it was exciting to us uh, that what was happening, the world was angry because mm -hmm. of what he was doing. And yet we had no doubt. And of course, John said, even if I go to jail, uh, and 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 we were just, it was just so incredible that he would uh, stay strong like that and uh, just not back down on anything. Yeah. And we just thought we, we were part of that. We male, we fell a part of that. Yeah. And then of course, the people started with their closed churches, started pummeling in. And, and seriously, uh, our church service, you would get to see, I mean, you know, we were taught to not to clap during the music. <laughs> And yeah. now they clap. And in <laughs> fact, in that beginning, there was a lady that used to stand up and shout and raise her arms. And, and uh, you, you just see all of that. Yeah. It was just a, a funny. Yeah. And of course, we, we, so now when we, it was only a few months ago that I was there, I was there until now. I, we just laughed because we, we are so trained not to clap. And that there's all these people clapping, you know. <laughs> and sometimes you just feel like you got to kind of. <laughs> yeah, wow. they just feel so excited to be there, right? Just yeah, that they have well, a church. They are, they are, yeah. and and we're happy for them. And another thing that's exciting is you look out over the audience. We are a melting pot. Oh we, boy. we are, we are reaching tribes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we are. We've got the world out there. Ethnicity. And uh, and it's just thrilling to think that how the word of God touches hearts of every tongue and yeah. uh, nation. John just preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. Yeah. And that's what matters. Clearly for my job, uh, which I work at Grace um, Community Church for Grace Bill Actions and Grace Curriculum. And one of my jobs right now, it's I've been interviewing people for just sharing their, um, you know, COVID-19 stories, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I've been so encouraged to hear how so many people, um, who are not able to still go to church. They don't have a church. Mm -hmm. but particularly, I can think of a gentleman that I talked to him recently, and he doesn't have a solid church next, like close to him. Mm -hmm. And he was just talking about how Grace Community Church has been his church. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and he's yeah. in Canada, wow. and he's live streaming. Sure. And he's like, every Sunday, that's my, appo my, course, my appointment that I'm going to sit. And Grace to you as well. He's like, I've been supporting Grace to you for so long, and they have been such a blessing. I'm receiving their books. And it's him and his wife, you know. And uh, yeah. just to see what started, like, with 80 people in chicken coops and like <laughs> no building and to see out, the providence I went, of God. I went about 10 years ago and started serving at Grace to You. Mm. And that, that opened another whole world because you just don't even have a, I didn't have a consciousness of how it was reaching the world. Yeah. And, and just amazing. And of course, they would have a Christmas party every year and John would come and tell stories about people giving and things like that. That was just so incredible, yeah. encouraging to us to learn things that we never knew, you know, yeah. because about the ministry. So think back when the first, from the very first time that Pastor John arrives to, to Grace Community Church and all the way up to this point after 50 plus years, years. How, do you, how will you describe his leadership? as a pastor of Grace Community Church. Think back about his leadership at Grace Community Church from the very first time that he arrived all the way till now. Well, I can tell you this, that when John first arrived, he started a men's group to train the men 
leadership in the family, leadership in their job, and leadership at the church. And that's when we finally, as men, I think got the picture of the role of men in the church. Uh, And John has, I think, always taught some aspect of leadership to the whole congregation almost every Sunday. He certainly leads us uh, in ways that we're marveled at. He's willing to take on the world Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sake of the gospel, and he is so adamant about the church and the role of the church in the community, and how how biblically the church should be, operate uh, in a society, and and that's leadership. That's leadership all the way, and uh, so he leads men who are in leadership. He is the leader of the lead. lead, lead. Uh, because they look to him because he's he's so powerful so strong in his beliefs and he doesn't back down Mm -hmm. and uh, that's leadership i also want to say that having met john as a young man and watched him grow his family john has never changed john has been consistent uh i've there people ask me all the time and I meet somebody new, what's he like? Mm. And I can say it's, it's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's mm. aged like all of us, but he's also has never lost that um, kindness when you see him. He remembers your name, which is amazing. <laughs> of course, we were there in the beginning, so <laughs> he remembers our name. Um, but it's just, um, it's just a really nice to be able to say, that he has never changed. He's never changed his rules. You know, he never would take a woman in his car, Mm -hmm. uh, even his secretary. He's just been consistent about his values of morality and about how a man should be. And uh, he's been that, she's been that example to our men. Yeah, he truly leads by example. Uh, He leads in many ways, but I mean, his life uh, is the picture of leadership. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it. I, I haven't been there for that long, right? But yes. just uh, seeing his faithfulness and how him and the elders led our church through 2020 mm-hmm. all the way up to now. Yeah. And yeah. now that we're making this documentary, The Essential Church, being able to listen to our elders mm-hmm. and what was going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes, things mm-hmm. that we didn't know, yeah. and just seeing their commitment and their faithfulness to the Lord through all this time and the faithfulness to the church, I mean, mm-hmm. it. It, I'm just so thankful yeah, for the leadership that we have. Yeah. So Absolutely. grateful. So grateful. Absolutely. And they, 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 he gets a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of criticism. Um, but it, it's, you know what, thankfully, and, and there were times in our church where there was some struggle, mm-hmm. and he had to take it and sometimes was addressed to it, but he didn't let it throw him, mm-hmm. and he didn't leave. You know, I mean, he could have left. He's yeah. rather certain situations, but he he always wanted to have he wanted to train men to preach, and then of course the seminary came along, yeah. And of course the master's college came first, yeah. master's college, and and when he went up there, uh, he gave a couple of years really trying to get that school going, and and so the church was suffering a little bit, yeah. So there came a day though that he came back and said, "I'm back." Mm. 
And he meant it that he had now people in place yeah. that he could take his hands off of it. And of course, then it kept going and going and going. And of course, he just told us that they can't even fill all the reservations. People want to come to school. There's something really special about when uh, John is asked questions and he, and he does the question and answer mm -hmm. period. He never gives his opinion. If you yeah. ever carefully notice, he never gives his opinion. He always answers every question by the Word of God. Yeah. Now that's remarkable. That's you what you should, right? Yeah. When someone comes to us, we need to answer with the Word of God, in my opinion. It's not going to make yeah. any difference. And and I think that it's amazing to see our pastor to give us that, that example yeah. to us. Yeah. So I would like to know... Um, where you guys are in life at this point. Um, we're in the trials yeah, that you guys... In our season of life that, yes. that is more difficult. I had cancer 14 years ago that I was not... I had been given five years, but I passed that and went clear on up to two years ago when I was diagnosed with bone cancer. And so I have bone cancer now, and I really don't have any pain with it so far. But I was getting up from my in my family room there, and I had these bars that I used to just push up on. And when I pushed up on it, his arm snapped, mm. just snapped. Now, it wasn't like a clean break. It was a, sh it was a shattering of my shoulder. Wow. And so I've been uh, nursing this back to life. They didn't want to. There was a small cast on my shoulder. Um, mm. And that's, that's what's really sidelined me. And that's mm. when my family, because they were afraid of breaking more bones, that they began to lift me instead of me walking. Okay. And that's taken my ability to walk, which is not good. But uh, I'm grateful. I have great care. And my husband's made sure that I have the care I need. And, uh, and so it's hard because I want to get back into all the activities I had. I still have a class. I started many, many ministries at Grace. But um, I still have a class of unequal, unequal yoked women. And they could come here because I brought them to my home mm -hmm. 20 years ago. And I was teaching that class for 48 years. About three years after John came, I started that class. And I don't really have the exact date. I've had that class all these years. And it's nice to have them in my home where I can teach them as well as minister to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm very grateful to still have that. It was, I was there very much helped start Every Woman's Grace. Mm -hmm. I was very involved taught hospitality classes for 13 years, and just uh, to have had a lot of, was over the college girl ministry, have done a lot, a lot of things at Grace yeah. for the years. And it's been such a blessing, because my husband had a very, very active, busy career as his son, mm -hmm. building a big center of achievement for the physically disabled yeah. and the Brown Aquatic Center. He was an elder for many years until it became impossible for him to continue. We're just so thankful we raised our children in, in church. They've gone on to other other areas, and um, we're grateful for that. My daughter's two daughters are married to godly men, mm -hmm. and one of them now has, has done a church plant in Texas. Wow. And, uh, doing, and and because we're home, we get to watch him day 30 in the morning. And then watch John at 11. And it's just so exciting. They That's why Sunday's twice. our special best day. And then uh, the, the, her sister and her husband, they sold and moved with them. So they'd be there to help them in the new church. And uh, 
And so my eight great-grandchildren are now in Katy, Texas. Each girl has four children. Wow. And they are the blessing of our life from 3 to 11. That, that gives us great joy, yeah. those children. There's another great sweet great. joy of getting older, and that's discovering how other believers, fellow Christians, respond to us. And that has been a wonderful joy and experience because because we couldn't come to church, they put us on a meal train. Yeah. And and let me tell you, that has been such a joy because not that we can't send out for food, you know, and buy our own food, but it's the joy of having other fellow believers come to our home, people we haven't met before. Signed up on this thing, and they come and they bring a lovely meal, and many times we can get them to sit down and eat with us, uh-huh. and we have this sweet fellowship. Only when you're old and 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 disabled can, <laughs> can you experience that kind of joy. You know, uh, people, strangers that we never knew, now we know because they're fellow believers, and they they want to serve, and that's what. That's what Grace Church is all about, serving others. We see it in every aspect of our church life. When it comes to all John has to do is say, we need 800 volunteers. (laughs) And and 800 people show up, and I mean 900 people show up, and they have to eliminate some people. But it's it's amazing what that church does and the the wonderful people that want to serve the Lord. It was hard to become a receiver. Yeah. That was a really hard. Yeah, at first that was really difficult. We, e, <laughs> we, that's what do they think we are? We don't have enough money to buy food, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, but they then they signed up and found we found out people wanting to sign up and they couldn't sign up and are you going to continue? That was incredible. As you ask about our season of life, we're at that point now where we're facing eternity. But you know what? I have such peace about when the Lord's going to take me. Uh, it's all in His hands. I have no no regrets. I am so grateful to Him for every everything He has given to me in my life. Amen. And so I'm ready. My family knows I'm ready when the Lord takes me. And uh, most likely I'll be the first one. But I don't know. I'm. You can see I'm still healthy. I, I'm disabled, but I'm I'm healthy, and uh, so it's the Lord's timing. But I'm I'm very very grateful to have had the joy of not only being a part of Grace Church, but raising a family and a family that are committed to the Lord. So grateful we've had all these wonderful friends, and like Linda, and uh, that have been just a joy of our life. We're we're, we're very very grateful. Another great joy we've had is uh, uh, serving uh, in Johnny and Friends Ministry, mm-hmm. who has mm-hmm. been really uh, close to John MacArthur, too, all these years, because she started her ministry at Grace Church. Mm-hmm. and uh, We were part of it. And we had the privilege of, of being a part of that and part of her board. Still, still am. And uh, now that, that ministry, like John's ministry, has gone all over the world. Yeah. And they're serving disabled people everywhere. So that's been a special joy of our heart as well. 
there's something else that I can't forget because someone, um, one of my friends told me about um, that you guys um, started a ministry. Was it in season? Something that you guys helped build for um, special needs? Uh, Like uh, the same. I think what you're thinking of is when Sam retired. Okay. He's been serving people for so many years that he didn't like retirement. (laughs) So he formed a committee and, well, he actually had a nonprofit organization already. Okay. So then he formed a group of people and it was called Western Independent Living. And what he did is he, we, we, uh, they had a brochure that was to elderly and disabled. And so if they, there was a disabled person that needed um, Grab bar. She, well, first of all, people, their kids want to sell their home and put them in a nursing home. Yeah. They want to stay in their home. So Sam would go in and, at, and figure out what they needed to stay safe in their home. Okay. Grab bars, toilet facilities, different Ramps. things of that type, ramps all kinds of walkers, all yeah. kinds of things. And so he did that for the last, how many, 10 years now? And they've served over 450-some homes. Wow. And it's, it's just easing out now because okay. it's getting harder for Sam to do those those jobs. But yeah. it uh, was a, something he did when he retired okay. because he has had to continue serving. And that was a wonderful thing before him. And he had the opportunity to, to share with the people they went to. And, and uh, uh, it was a really neat ministry because he, he had had this phenomenal ministry at CSUN mm-hmm. with all, all the disabled. And uh, okay. in fact, several of the girls at Grace were all in his program. And, okay. Uh, and so quite a few of the disabled that in Grace were over at his program. Okay. But it's uh, a blessing to serve we, wherever you can. We st- and we had the privilege of starting, along with Johnny's uh, participation, uh, our special ministries program, mm-hmm. and it has expanded to reach, uh, mm-hmm. reach out to the community in wonderful ways. Them taught Johnny to drive, and Grace Church provided her first van. Wow! And she drove it over two hundred and some mi- hundred thousand miles. Yeah, that's <laughs> another story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could go on many trails. So, what are you guys? How are you guys involved in him ministry? Well, what? How are you involved in her ministry? By mostly with donations. Now. Donations. Well, we're part of her. We're always invited to her presence retreat, where they share everything they're doing in the ministry. Okay. And so we do give money, uh, and from our organization to her organization, okay. and uh, she raises millions of dollars wow. for all these projects. Wow. So it's fun for us to see all the things that they're doing all over the world. Yeah incredible things and uh, uh, and she's lived way beyond her lifespan but her ministry and her offices out there in Agora are where anybody can go and see mm-hmm. and uh, learn more about what's going on. It's, it's just wonderful. Sam was in her wedding because she oh. came to Grace. Wow. She met Ken at Grace and uh, they were married at Grace and they had a big aisle up the center aisle with the <laughs> the ramp for her to come up on the stage and wow. it was just a special special time that's really so we've, we've been blessed with so many different ministries yeah and just that, to see what god would do i know that you guys touch a little bit on things that bring that bring you both joy but sam i'm gonna start with you three things that bring you joy joy well 
this dear lady brings me the most joy. Mm -hmm. She's by my side, and mm -hmm. she's my prayer partner. Mm -hmm. And then my church. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, in threes, that's, that's pretty tough to do. Family. Because... <laughs> Because, I know if everyone has this because, same trouble. <laughs> I mean, there's the word of God, mm -hmm. you know, that that backs up everything in our lives. From just a human standpoint, the joy for me in my total life uh, and ministry has been serving people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. That's been pretty much my life. Has brought me a great deal of joy. I've seen many young people come to the Lord. It's just it's it's kind of unique in the fact that you're touching people's lives who most people shy away from or mm -hmm. don't want don't want to be involved with, and that's that's the kind of person that that draws me, person who is needy needs help, mm. and uh, and that probably goes all the way back to my childhood and the way way my parents raised us. Even dad, who wouldn't accept money from people who couldn't afford mm. milk, you know. Uh, so that was, in a sense, his his way of meeting the needs of people. So I think we're happiest when we're serving. Mm. Uh, as a summary, I think the greatest joy we have in life is serving others. Well, and you, Emery, you get your three as well. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm blessed to have a husband of... 67 years mm. God gave me, blessed me with uh, I was did I know that he was special or as a Christian I didn't know those kind of things but anyway uh, has given me a husband that not only supported me in all my ministries and uh, all of that it's been a, just an incredible husband whereas I was able to help him in his work at the CSUN I think uh, of course, our church would be a big joy, but my family would actually have to come at that point. Yeah. Um, we were blessed with our daughters. We were blessed with the husbands they married. And, um, uh, and of course, now uh, each, each girl had, had, one girl had two, girl, two girls and one boy girl had two boys. And unfortunately, that side of the family isn't doing so good. Mm. But my daughters, the two girls, are just uh, doing incredibly stuff serving now in this new church. Been blessed to follow that and follow what they're doing. So that brings me a lot of personal pleasure. And then the the thing is the kids, the kids keep up with us. They send <laughs> us videos. And I had to go into the hospital a few weeks ago for radiation. Mm -hmm. And that morning, each child sent me a video of the, reading a scripture or singing mm -hmm. a song. Or doing something to give me encouragement for that day. It's just so special. And uh, so I'm, that gives me a lot of joy. But you know what? I My heart was in women's ministry all these years. All these years. When, you know, the families and stuff were all doing other things. Mm -hmm. But I was always involved in women's ministries. The thing I really liked about in my life that I could do was encourage other women to take roles in things that didn't think they had the ability. And so I feel like I've mentored, mentored a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. And, and uh, I get the fruit of that 
down in my older life. Now that people know I'm not going to be here for too long, uh, they write me and tell me stories about uh, leadership and things, and uh, that gives me a lot of personal joy. So even though this is not where I would like to be right now, I'm content because I have still the access with my church and with my friends, and uh, so I'm grateful for that. I have to miss those things now, but I'm just grateful that... Uh, Whoever yeah. invented live stream, I tell you, they are blessed of God. <laughs> <laughs> Praise yeah. the Lord for technology and for yeah, oh my the gosh. media, social media. You people media, out no. there that do what you do, you bring uh, such joy to our hearts because and just think of the millions of people that are shut-ins and they can't go to church, but you yeah. bring church to them. <laughs> so you guys are a great blessing for sure. Oh, thank you. I want you guys to think back about your marriage and all these years that you guys have been able to uh, be married for, but also do ministry together. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen God's faithfulness through all, the, all these years in both of your lives? And what are you both most thankful for? Well, she's, she's been a partner with me in, in every crazy thing I ever did. She was always by my side, uh, even from the time we got married or before we got married even. But when we got married, she's my partner as an egg deliverer. <laughs> uh, she was a, a partner w- with me for the, when we did wheelathons to raise money. Uh, at the college. At the college. Uh, she was a, mm. well, she's just always been there for whatever uh, I needed. And it, it, it seemed like I was a very needy person. <laughs> and she was always there to support me in whatever I did. And uh, I don't know that I was always there to support her because she was working with women, but uh, but I could always depend on this dear lady to be my number one support. Hmm. And you, Emery, how have you seen God's faithfulness in oh, your marriage, I, ministry, everything? In your as, life? I, as you see me now, God has been so faithful to me just to keep me well for many, many, many years before I got cancer. And I, I saw how God not only took me forward through that, but also helped me to be an example to others that how I went through it. Mm-hmm. I didn't go through with it with anger or why me or anything like that. I just accepted God allowed it to happen. And I went through that. felt like um, uh, I was told I was an example. And uh, I was thankful for that. He's brought me through all these things you will clear now what's going on in my life right now. And uh, I've, I've never felt like he's not there, uh, that I can trust him, even when it, it's hard. But I, I never doubt him, never, never, never doubt him. And so I'm very, very thankful for all that he has given me. And uh, like I say, I'm ready to be with the Lord when the Lord calls me. And I'm very grateful, and I want to continue be an encourager, an example to people while how I live now. Yeah. Well, and praise he, to God be for everything. I'm he's going to fight me. <laughs> uh, Lord, I'm going to fight the Lord. <laughs> if he tries to take her, I'm going to keep her. He's funny. He's funny. Well, we're just grateful for, you know, for the work of the Lord in yeah. our lives and through mm-hmm. the power of his word and, We're so grateful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And my last question, I'm going to give it to you, Sam. 
um, we always come to the pod this podcast and we're always talking about Christ. Mm -hmm. And for someone who might listening who doesn't know Christ, uh, why do we need Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Life without Christ is a life of misery because Christ completely renews your whole outlook on everything that you do. Uh, Christ is the brightness of your day. Christ is the joy that goes before you in every task. Without Christ, you have nothing but yourself, and that's pretty miserable. Mm. So I would just say that to try to live without Christ is, is a vain attempt at life. And if you really want to know peace, if you really want to know joy, then reach out to him because he's there. He's got his hand there to hold your hand and to take you through whatever, whatever you encounter in your life. If you have Christ, you have everything. I wouldn't live a day a minute without Christ. You're in the safest place you can be when you're in the hands of God. You'd be a fool not to seek Christ, to have him control your life, to have him change your heart, to give you a new life. Christ is everything. Amen. Well, Emery and Sam, it's been a gr the greatest joy of my life to be oh, here with you guys and you. get to know you. And mm -hmm. I know you guys have been part of Sojourners as well, yes, right? We were. Yeah, they yeah, they we they were. have been praying for you, mm -hmm, and yeah. um, you guys have been in our prayers, yes. and we're so grateful just for everything that the Lord has done in your life through your life. And I know that, and hope and pray this can be an encouragement for all those saints, all those brothers and sisters in our right, church. Right. Um, and for Thank those you. who do not know you, that they get to know who you guys are. Mm -hmm. And it's been a joy. It's been a blessing Thank to you. me, praying that the Lord continue to sustain you both. And this is a way that we can be praying for you both through this time. Thank and you. you will be in our prayers. Friends, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and for listening to this podcast. So probably watching on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're so grateful for you guys. Don't forget to share with your friends and family. And again, if you guys want to uh, stay in touch with us, make sure that you follow us on social media. You can find the links here in the description. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time. But before we go, Sam, will you close us in prayer? I surely will. Mm -hmm. uh, Heavenly Father, we, we had a joyous moment this morning with these wonderful people who, who want to share with the world the love of Christ. And Father, we thank you for their team for their efforts and for the people that will listen may their hearts be opened father to receive the gospel as as we have come to receive it and know father because there's no greater joy thank you for directing our lives for being in our lives uh, for all these many years thank you for allowing us to be a part of grace church and the joyous memories uh, that have flooded our hearts and our minds uh, even this morning or this day uh, as we reflect back on the many, many years of, of starting and seeing Grace Church grow 
what a joy it has been to our hearts. And we're just are so thankful for John and the elders at Grace Church and for the way that they, they lead the people. John is a, is a true shepherd, and he shepherds us well, Father, just as you have taught him. For we, the sheep, are very happy to be shepherded by this wonderful, godly man. We pray that you would give him many, many years, Father, still, and that you would sustain him in, in this incredible ministry that we have seen grow and grow all over the world. Bless it, Father. Continue to guide and direct all the activities that are part of your ministry at Grace Church. We're so grateful for this wonderful church. We're grateful for these people who have come to our home and so that we can share these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.